welcome to Shoot First, Talk Later, the photo shoot podcast with me, Robert Gershenson. My guest this time is Kelly Maloney, uh, born Frank Maloney. As Frank, Kelly grew up quite shy and eventually very quickly became very successful in the world of professional boxing, most famously promoting and managing Lennox Lewis. And in recent years, uh, Kelly came out as transsexual and after an appearance on Celebrity Big Brother has fully transitioned and uh, become the woman she was, was meant to be. Uh, she's now a very vocal member of the trans community. Uh, if you want to see the portraits I've just shot of Kelly, head to www.sftl.photos. Uh, we've done the shooting, now let's do the talking. Kelly, hello, thanks for having me down here. Thank you for coming. <laughs> um, so you've just got back from America. Yes, I've been at the, um, the biggest transgender convention uh, in the world uh, called Southern Comfort. Yeah. And it was held in Florida for the second year, sponsored by um, Greater Fort Lauderdale um, Hello Sunny, uh, which is an LGBT travel group that are promoting um, Greater Fort Lauderdale as, as a very... Uh, LGBT friendly destination for holidays. So, what what were you doing over there? You were, were you? I was a keynote speaker there. Okay. And um, it was my first time to talk, obviously abroad, you know, and to speak to a group of uh, quite a large group of um, from the trans community from all different parts of America, and it was very interesting. What well, what's the main differences between sort of trans culture over here in the UK and? Transculture over there in, in America? Um, I think we are more acceptable over here, more tolerant of it over here, and more understanding of it over here. And I, I think, I'm not going to say nowhere's easier to transition because it's not an easy road or journey uh, to have to go down. But I, I just think things over here are in a shall we say place better to help us and obviously we have the national health over here which helps us which they don't have in america um some states will not let them change their uh, paperwork or their birth certificates because america is not is not unified in in its in its laws and regulations so it makes it very hard i mean we are protected under the equality act they're, they're not protected in America. Mm. You have the bathroom problems in certain states in America, which we don't have in this country. Yeah. America's all about the dollar. I mean, I was absolutely amazed because they had a number of doctors there at the convention, like that gave speech. And, and, and I had to say, some of the, shall we say, the, the speeches were great, where you went off to certain seminars, like or they had a whole hotel. And, you know, I... It's well known that I have had quite a bit of surgery done to my face and that, and I was joking with one of the American girls that I got very friendly with. When I'm going to go and see a doctor and see what he says about my face, and she looks at me and she went, Kelly, you don't need nothing done. This doctor told me that I need my nose reshaped and I've had it done twice and I should need my chin reduced a little bit. When I was told by the two doctors that I'd seen that my chin was well inside female parameter and I could do with having my lift lifted, which I've already had done. Okay. Is, is that because he, he just... He just wants to fleece you for, you know, a couple more quid. I don't know, but it, but everything is money orientated. Yeah. Where in this country, the doctors are not like that. You know, they will sit there and explain to you and um, they don't push themselves on you. 
Yeah, I it's not a sales thing. It's not a sales thing. I found the doctors there were very were more like salesmen than actual doctors. Okay. But in, t- in terms of the, the trans movement over there, uh, I mean, obviously, there's, there's, there's state law and there's federal law. And obviously, at the moment, it's not that well balanced in favour of the trans community over there. What's the movement like? Is it is it picking up? Is it picking up pace? What's the um, the exposure like? Well, I, I think as much as they don't like Caitlyn um, Jenner, why is that? Because of the way she's portrayed herself, um, and I, you know, I heard certain stories about, but I better not repeat them in case they're slanderous. Yeah. Um, but they think that she's done a lot for bringing the thing to awareness. But they're not happy with the way she promoted herself and promoted a TV show when she could have had a lot, shall we say, she could have done a lot more for the, the community out there, for the trans community, and got a lot more people on their side. You know, she's a very high-profile uh, trans person. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, she could have maybe opened more doors than she did. You know, she portrayed it all about glamour, and that's what they were... I found a lot of them were upset about at the convention. It's... I mean. It, it's funny you say you say glamour. She she clearly is presenting as the the ideal of what she believes a, a woman should look like, not necessarily what maybe she she you know she feels that she should look like just for herself. Do you think she's playing up to that kind of conservative woman stereotype? I don't know if she's playing up to that woman stereotype. I think she's playing up to the world she comes from. The, and that world is obviously glamour, is the Kardashian world. She wants to be part of that world. You know, let's be honest, the Kardashians, could they earn a living other than on their television? You know, it's, it's, um, you know, it's ridiculous that people actually believe people can live that sort of lifestyle yeah. and live that way. You know, I mean... I, you know, I understand certain things that she's been through because, you know, I was forced into the spotlight and I was made a sort of a, shall we say, a public figure in this country of the trans community, which I've never portrayed myself to be. I am me and that's it. I've always tried to be myself and just talk about my life experience. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I do look at women and I do try to, as I was transitioning, I, I studied women and I wanted to... I wanted to blend in. Maybe that's my fault because, again, in the community, there are some people that don't worry about blending in. They are trans and they are proud of it. Yeah. I mean, I'm proud of who I am, but I see myself as a woman and I live in that world where some in the trans community live in the world where they're, where they're trans and they'll accept they'll always be trans and they don't try and blend in. So they, 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 they don't aim for a, a fully, let's say, if, if I could coin a, a phrase, a fully transitioned aesthetic? I think some may have fully transitioned, but they just, obviously because of their their size, maybe appearance, they they realise they will never pass as a, as a 100% as a woman and yeah. they will always stand out in a crowd. You know, and I actually admire them people because I think they're, they're a lot braver than I am because... You know, I was mortified that I would stand out in the crowd. I always wanted to be ex- accepted in the community and just been seen as a, as a female. And I may be wrong, but there are, you know, in the trans community, there are a lot of... It is a very diversified movement. Uh, the trans umbrella is very, very big. It's not just black and white. There's, no. there's many, many shades dark, of grey along, along that, that transition period. You know, I've 
you know, I, I started transitioning very privately quite a while ago. Um, I've obviously, I've only been out publicly for coming up to, it'll be three years next year. Yeah. Um, but in that period, I I learned so much and, and saw so many different sides of the trans community. And, and it's something you learn and you learn and you, it's wrong to say I feel sorry for. It's it's hard to understand, shall I say? But you learn to accept it, and you learn to realise these people are these people. That's very wrong. Um, you that the that we are proud of who we are, no matter what where you are on on, on the on the spectrum or yeah. of trans, you know. And um, yeah, I've got some friends now that will that have sort of shall we say partly transitioned, but will never fully transition. Mm. Um, I've got friends that are fully transitioned. I've got some friends that are like me, just want to live their life and go out and be accepted in in the female, in the world. Is there a difference between people who, like you, born in the sixties, and kids who are, you know, who are millennials or even post millennials? That they're, they're younger than twenty now. They're sixteen, seventeen, eighteen. Is there a different mindset between um, how far they they want to transition? You obviously grew up in the 60s, so you you might have had an ideal of men and women. But nowadays, there's there's an attitude among among the younger generations that everything's a little bit more fluid. Yeah, I you know I, I've sort of been learning it and reading it um, recently um, that maybe the gender is not like the generation I come from. It it was uh, man woman. Or homosexual at the time, but now we all refer yeah. to as the gay community. Um, and um, the young generation don't see that now. I don't think they have boundaries. Mm. And maybe that's good. Maybe it's not good. Um, but I think you have to learn to accept it because we live in a very diversified, diversified world. Is the boxing world diversified? Um, if I'm <coughs> honest, I don't think it is. I, I, I think. The public face they show is quite accepting, um, but deep down, I don't think they are. You know, I've seen a few comments made about me on social media. I've heard a few things that's been fed back to me through other people. There are some that are very genuine. There are still some that can't totally accept it, and there are a number of people in the boxing community that have never spoken to me since I published. And there were people you had a really good relationship with yeah, before. Yeah, I've had good relationships with before. Yeah, but that, that's their choice, and I don't, you know, I I can't change their views. Yeah, I can try and help educate and get them to understand. I mean, I am I'm the same person. All I've really done is corrected something that was wrong at my birth. You know, and shall we say change the cover yeah <laughs> change the rap I think you said you, change your, the rapping that's it in your autobiography you said change the rapping um, so going back you got quite shy yeah I, do you know what the other day I was I was on Facebook I was actually on what's the other not Facebook um, Twitter no Instagram the, no the other one that's associated with Twitter I should do it because I'm on it quite a lot Snapchat no the video one Periscope. Periscope. I was oh, because you do a lot of live I, stuff. I, yeah. I, I, I like to do some stuff on that when I'm when I'm I get a little bit bored and then I think, oh, what and can I do? So I go on. There. No, I actually don't drink when I go on there. Okay. I'd be deadly if I was drinking on there. <laughs> I'd be frightened to go on there. <laughs> I might really upset people. Um, you know, um, 
and I was on there, and a girl that was I was at school with, and we got chatting, and she said, "Do you know something, Kelly? It's amazing." She said, "You're quite shy and quite cute in school, and a lot of the girls fancied you." Wow. And I went, "Oh, I never knew that." She went, "No, because you were quite shy," and and I thought, "Yeah, I was actually," you know, and um, I did find it hard to. I'd not communicate with the opposite sex, obviously, because I got on quite well with girls, but that was obviously, we all know why now. But um, I never really fancied any of them in, okay. that, in that sense. Even even your first wife? No, I, I did fall in love with my yeah. first wife eventually. Jackie. Jackie, yeah. But I, was, um, but I wasn't one where a lot of my friends had lots of girlfriends. I didn't really have yeah. that sort, you know, I had friends, but, you know, I met Jackie and I got on very well with Jackie. And I felt very protective with Jackie in my life, and and I, and I did love her, you know. So I, I can't say I didn't, um, but it just didn't work out. We were very young, and obviously, probably because neither of us had a lot of experience. Um, well, it wouldn't have worked out because I was I, I was going through that then as well, and I was hiding that from her as well. Um, I, I it made me to actually sit back and look at my life and and really try and recant how many relationships I had, and I actually. It, only had three serious relationships my whole life, which I I was quite surprised because I used to tell people I was always having relationships. <laughs> but that was the that was the Frank Maloney, you know, uh, persona, uh, Jack the Lad that yes. you had to create. Yeah. So how how did you go from being quite a shy young lad to, I mean, I've I've seen I've seen YouTube clips of of Frank back in the day. And although, you know, it, it's ringside and you're, uh, you know, or you're, you're you know, uh, Pumped adrenaline up. dark <laughs> because, you know, the fights just happen. But that's not a shy person. You're in the Union Jack suit and, you know, you're, you're, you're think, sparring word for word with Don King. I think I <clears throat> broke my life up. There was the public side of my life and the very private side of my life. I was, I was quite introvert, to be honest, you know. Um, but the public side, I had to... I had to portray someone different. I was very lucky in boxing. Um, I I always wanted to achieve something in my life. Um, and if I'm honest, I always wanted to defeat it how I felt. Um, you know, if, if I'm honest, I would have done anything to defeat the journey I had to go down and nearly destroy everything that was sacred to me. Mm. Um but I couldn't in the end because I, I was only destroying myself and destroying the people very close to me. So I I won't say I gave in because I didn't I don't think I had a choice. Um but I wanted to keep them so diff apart. I wanted to beat it. So I saw I watched and studied same way I watched and studied women so I could get the mannerism right and be accepted in 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 the in the, in the female community, shall we say? Um, I I studied other boxing promoters, and saw if you wanted to be successful, God, you got to be larger than life. Yeah, you got to be bullish. You just got to not. You got to be like a a duck in water. Just let everything just float off you. And that side became, and at certain times that side mixed with Frank Maloney, the quiet shy, and it was a tussle. It was it was it was hard. So there was three sides of was, there was three was sides say, of me. Yeah. There was there was um, the feminine side of me. There was the introvert Frank Maloney that just wanted to be on his own, left alone with his family. And then there was the public side that everyone 
some loved and the majority hated. <laughs> so how how does how do you even manage to accommodate a in the space in your head three different people, but also your your wants and desires and and how how does that manifest itself in 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 real life in reality? It was hard. I was always fighting myself, and I think that's why sometimes I was always very angry with a lot of fit people. And I think I might have let the anger and frustration out in the boxing world because you could get away with things that you would say there. Yeah, it's a very aggressive environment. Environment. So you, you and I think I got away with it. Um, I also compensated by sometimes over drinking, shall we say, and partying. I done everything to keep my mind off of the, my feminine side. And, um, you know, I tried to be the perfect father, the perfect partner to to Tracy and the perfect male to all the other guys out there. Was there a, an idea that if you weren't if you weren't 100 percent perfect, then then would there be a failure voice inside of you? I don't know if it was a f- failure. I, I was always frightened of failing. Yeah, because I never succeeded at school. I was always written off at everything. Um, my my mother and father encouraged me because I, I I went into boxing and they seen that I li- they saw I liked that and they encouraged me, and I and I didn't want to let them down. And then as my as my sort of shall we say fame grew, I thought I'm actually good at this. I'm actually doing well. You found your vocation. Yeah, and I've got to keep doing this. Um, could I have done it if I'd been born a female? I don't think I'd have been given the the chance. I'd have gone down a totally different road. Are there female boxing promoters now? There's a few, but they're not. They're not sort of in this country. There's hardly there may be one other, I think, who holds a license besides myself. Um, Kathy Duva is probably the most famous one in the world at the moment. Um, there was one previously called Jackie Callan, who was um, managed um, James Tony in America. She was quite strong powerful woman um but life would have taken life would have taken a totally different route for me it nearly did when you were 18 you lived with a guy called alan yeah and you sort of presented as as a woman for about 18 months 18 months yeah um alan was the first person to realize that i was shall we say born in the wrong gender did he pick that up he picked it up um, how did what what I don't know what Alan, signs were you giving out I don't know I didn't think I was giving any signs out um, <laughs> I, I didn't think I was uh, but obviously I was Alan was one of these characters um, I met Alan at the time I worked in the civil service and Alan worked in the um, what's now which in them days would have been the personnel department but okay. I think they call it HR yeah. something now people teams and all that yeah. yeah and you know Alan was like the first openly gay person I'd ever really met and he was, he was very flamboyant, very outrageous. He was like, I would say at the start of the, shall we say, the sexual revolution. Yeah. You know, but he never, he never worried. He went out in the street and if people looked at him and pointed at him, he just didn't care. And you, did you find that quite... I, I found mean, it you... quite um, brave in a certain yeah. sort of way. And he, he was looking for a flat in London. My parents had broken up and I needed somewhere to live. Because I had my young brother, Vince, who I was going to take care of. And we just got chatting. And he said, well, why don't we just rent a house together? And Vince can come there and live. You know, Vince obviously doesn't have to pay any wage, any money in. But you and 
I can split the rent and everything else. And we moved in and he was, I don't know, Alan was such like, um, it was amazing because he had this kid from South London that went to Millwall that hung about with other guys, you know, groups of guys that was quite a little tufty, tried to be quite a little tufty yeah. guy. And like a street gang. Yeah, in front yeah. of everything else. And never really knew much about the gay community, if I'm honest, other than, you know, I won't use the words what they were called in them days yeah. and what people, you know, in them days people went queer bashing, you know, and yeah. um, I don't think we had, well, if we did have a lot of any gays in Peckham, they kept themselves very quietly and very reserved, you know, yeah. I mean. It's the, it's the classic 70s yeah. gay story, really, story. isn't it? And um, so, and, and Alan was like, you know, music would be blaring their house theatre was his thing <laughs> and we just chatted in there and I don't know one day he went to me he just said something to me and I looked at him and I went he went you're not really who you are are you and I sort of said what do you mean he went um, there's another side to you isn't there and I went do you know I've always wanted to be a woman I said I've always felt that I, was, I should have been born a woman and he went well if that's what you want to be be one it's like what and he went, I said, well, I can't. He said, oh, don't worry about that. He said, um, if you want, let's go shopping. So we went down to Camden Market, I think. And I remember I bought a yellow cheesecloth. I'm telling you stories I've never even told in my book. <laughs> or I've never told anyone. <laughs> you got a real. And I bought some bits and pieces in that. And um, what, what was it? You said a yellow um, cheesecloth skirt. Okay. In them days, yeah. And a top, you know, they were all the things in them days. Yeah. A platform shoes because I had small feet so I could get away with yeah and because you could in them days you had David Bowie you had Ziggy Stardust yeah, say, yeah. Um, T-Rex I mean and people like that Mark Boland and you could get away with outrageous stuff yeah. and my dress became more a little bit outrageous a bit more feminine appearance and I said well, what about if Vince comes in or something he said oh if Vince finds the clothes he went well tell him they're mine and I do a drag act this was Alan <laughs> so he was so protective of me that's good and you know when Vince wasn't around or at his friends, I would get dressed and we would, Alan would take me out. We would go to a couple of bars and I was really, and I was living, my hair was growing and I was really, even the photos, people looked at me and they, I looked quite feminine because I was very young, very small. And, um, I, then all of a sudden my dad came back into my life and it quickly all, all changed. But again, I was still living two lives because in front of Vince, I was Frank, who was a little bit hippie. That's because, and when Vince wasn't around, I was my female self. Did you have a name for yourself? I used then? to keep my, call myself Francis because it was easier. Because I called myself Francis as well sometimes at work. That makes sense. So I could get away with it. But I would sign it with an E when I was dressed as instead of an I. <laughs> um, my mum's name's Francis. Um, well, I've kept Francis, so I'm called Kelly Francis Maloney now. Oh, see, I wondered why the F. I thought maybe I thought maybe you kept Frank. No. No. Francis. I just thought maybe you kept Frank as like a connection to the past. But no. that makes sense. That makes sense. Um so around that time you sort of went back into the closet and you and that's kind of where the that the double real... and then the triple life sort of started to begin. Well, yeah, and Jackie walked back into my life because I'd part yeah. I'd met Jackie and she walked back into my life and 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 I thought, you know what? And she really, the connections all connected again. And for some, we just got, we ran off and got married. Yeah. 
And You're quite young. How old were you then? I was about 20. Yes, nearly just coming to 21, yeah. Um, and I'd never really, if I'm honest, I'd never really lived life properly. Yeah. Um, and then we'd have a, we had our beautiful daughter, Emma. And again, that made me, I was so proud. And then I asked Alan to become godfather to Emma. And, that, you know, that was great. Um, do you see do you, do you see, you don't see Alan anymore? I do. You do? The oh, thing wow. What, no, but what happened was, as I grew in boxing, uh, we did start to drift apart eventually because yeah. obviously I left the civil service. I think Alan went to work for the BBC and we stayed in touch for a while. As I said, he became godmother to um, Emma. He was also one of the witnesses at my wedding to to Jackie. To Jackie. And my mum and dad, though they were divorced, they were both, and they got to know Alan and they liked Alan. Yeah. And he, he sort of became part. But as I grew in <coughs> boxing, I don't know why, and I've never been able to forgive myself for it. I feared that if anyone knew that I'd live with someone that was gay, it would... Would it be a lot controversial? Yeah. I, I'll be honest, because I saw what the papers used to in, write I was going to say, in the boxing circles or in the media? In the media, everywhere. Yeah. As I was growing more. And um, I, I lost total touch with Alan. But as soon as my story broke in the papers, I actually m made it my mission to find Alan. Wow. and That's, I, good. That's a good... 30, 40 years later. Yeah. Yeah. And I finally tracked him down um, where he worked. Um, he works in the theatre. So I won't say where he works, so don't people turn up driving me mad. Um, <laughs> he worked in the theatre, and I contacted him, and we met, and, and I and I apologised to him, and I told him why. And he went, you never had any fear, he said. First of all, he said, now you are the person you've always wanted to be. Mm. And he said you look lovely and I was really like oh I was like um. <laughs> and um, we t he said let me tell you something he said you never had to worry he said but my mother and father adored you they always kept a picture of you on their fridge oh wow and they kept every story about you in the newspapers and they gave and they used to show them to me when I'd go back and visit them and um, ask me if I'd ever heard from you and um, yeah we become we're, we're very good friends again now we see each other quite regular that's marvellous <laughs> Alan's um, been married uh, uh, in a relationship to uh, his partner for years he, he's a lovely fella as well we met Yeah. and my daughter obviously hadn't wanted to meet a grand a godfather yeah. and he was invited to a birthday party and Jackie was at the party and we all had a little sit down and chat and um, yeah it was, it was really nice but as I say Alan and I are friends and he forgave me for the way I sort of behaved, shall we say, and he said he understood it, which um, I thought was amazing. Because, but doesn't that show how far you've come? That you could be friends with someone from back in the day who who knew about you back then. Yeah, uh, I, I I I could honestly say you can count your true friends on one hand. Yeah, and I would say Alan is probably well, Alan's not probably. It's, I was going to say probably the first one on that hand. So you just picked up where you left off. Yeah, it was just like the. It was just like we never been, never, never been part. Part. We yeah. talked a little bit about the boxing because he wanted to know a bit about it. I talked about what he'd done, and we just so. And then I took my mum up to meet him not long ago, and God, it was like them two again. <laughs> I, I might as well not been there. <laughs> um, so back back to the boxing. Um, as, as things kind of took off, and you know, you 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 convinced um, Lennox Lewis to sign with you. Uh, in 89 and you kind of became a I guess a famous person in your own right as pleased as you were that the boxing career was was going well was there another side of you saying well 
that kind of writes off ever coming out. Yeah, oh, no, definitely, and I, and I think that's what that's what drove me to work the way I worked, like twenty four hours a day, seven days a week. Forgot about anything else. If I had to jump on a plane to go to America, I was on that plane. If I had to jump on a plane, I remember once I was in England. So I was in Canada with Lennox, and I had a fighter fighting in England, so I had to fly from Canada back to England for that fight. The next day, I was on the first flight back to Canada. Then from Canada, I had to fly to New York. And then from New York, I had to fly somewhere in South America and then back to England again. And I'd done that all within the space of about four days, five days. You must have been knackered. Um, I, never, I never seemed to need to sleep in days. I don't, I don't know if that was adrenaline or just... It just ma- I was able to bury everything and just totally concentrate on that and it 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 was still there but it wasn't as much as an issue as it had previously been because I had something that was filling 24 hours a day in my life when did it start to become harder to to essentially keep keep Kelly down um when I bought my first computer okay and I just typed the word in they told me the computer you could find anything on the computer, so I typed so the word, with the internet. Internet, okay. yeah. So I typed in the word transgender, and I was like, it just went crazy. And I was like, God, this is more open than I. And there's so many. And and I just kept reading more and more about it, and and I kept thinking, and I kept finding different things that was going on in the in the in the trans world, shall we say? And I thought I could try this, or I could, I could phone this one up, I could do this. Um. And I remember phoning up an organisation called Trans Living, which are based in England. I was actually in America at the time. And I, I spoke to them and they told me, they pointed out all the hardships, because I said I had a good life, I had a, a good job and a good career. I didn't tell them who I was. And they said, look, you could lose everything if you come out. You know, you must try and contain it. So that made me want to contain it even more. Um so a charity told you that? Yeah. Is that... I don't know if there is Is that a quite... Or an organisation? Was it a support group? A kind of support group, yeah. That doesn't, that doesn't I know. sound that supportive to me. <laughs> I know. Well, I think they were pointing out the, the pit sides of it. Okay. More so than, you know. And, they, and then in a way, they were right. If you could... They did explain that some people could control it and just come and maybe go away at weekends and dress or yeah. disappear and dress and spend some time in their female role and then and, back and to revert the bank back. Job. And I have found that there are a lot of people like that. Yeah. And there are a lot of organisations that support that. Because um, that's where I spent a lot of my time when I disappeared and was living as Kelly. They were the only places I went and I felt safe. And that was in this country? In this country, yeah. In anywhere else? I, there's a couple I went to in America. Yeah. Um, and even when I went to an island that I disappeared over to Ireland. But unfortunately, the cab driver recognised me after, and I was like mortified. I thought, I won't be doing, I won't come here again. But I made them drop me like, no, he recognised me at the airport when I got in the car. <clears throat> and I thought, I'm not, oh, I said, I want to go to this road. I said, um, I can't remember the building, but I'll find it. I said, if you drive, and as we drove past, because I had the number and I was and I saw it, and I made him drive about 500 yards down the road, and I said, oh, this is the building I want. I got out, <laughs> wait till he'd gone, and I walked all the way back. Clever. <laughs> That kind of existence, it just just sounds very, very 
stressful. What sort of effect was that having on your home life? In the early days, it didn't have much of an effect, but it got more and more as it felt like on this shoulder was Kelly, on this shoulder was Frank, and they were fighting each other. Yeah. At one time, this shoulder, Frank, was quite the strong personality. But in a way, Kelly proved to be the stronger personality, and the more she was coming out, the more it was affecting Frank, and Frank was the man, and he was the one that was married to Tracy. He was the father of, of three lovely girls. And I, and I, and I couldn't deal with it. I, I, I felt I was letting them all down. So I was arguing more and more. With and yourself it, or with? With myself and with them. And with Tracy. And, and with my daughters. Yeah. I, I became, instead of trying, I was trying to be the best father, I became probably the worst father in the world. Most horror, I became strict with them. I didn't like myself, if I'm honest. I didn't like myself. Around the time, in the, in that period, you and Lennox Lewis sort of parted ways. After twelve years, yeah, we parted ways after the fight in um, Johannesburg when he got beat. Um, I, I just felt that I, I wasn't doing. I couldn't. I didn't like some of the new people that come into the Lennox Lewis team. Okay. I couldn't get on with them. I didn't feel that I was strong enough to fight them anymore, and. Um, they were looking for someone to blame. The, Lennox was out of the equation. This yeah. was the new part, the, the new side of the the business management side, shall we say? Where yeah. I, I was the boxing management side, because I told them the fight in Joburg was wrong, the way it was all dealt with, and they didn't like that. They wanted someone to take the blame. They wanted me to take the fall, and I wouldn't take the fall. Yeah. Because I, I know I prepared it, and I told Lennox what he should do. I even put it in writing to cover myself and sent Lennox the letter, so I knew that I was. I protected myself. Um, and I heard rumours that this new management company were going to try and sack me. They would, And the way they were going to get it done by getting me to sign a document, which I refused to sign on principle. And um, so I, 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 I thought I'd get first and I resigned. Is it because of that that the Kelly side was able to... Come out more. Come out more because you, you, well, you didn't mean, have work to fill the day anymore? Well, I was still very busy with a couple of other fighters, okay. and I was building, but it wasn't the same. I, I felt certain pressures were off me because I didn't have to be this certain person. You didn't have to be Frank Maloney, the media personality. Yeah, I mean, I still had to look after my other fighters and yeah. still keep my business going. Um, and then I was offered um, a consultant's job with Frank Warren, okay. which was a good, which I signed the five-year contract, and I went there. I didn't have the pressure on me, so. Kelly was developing more, and I, I was actually planning on disappearing and working out what I had money, leaving X amount in the bank for Tracy and the girls, taking what a small portion that I needed, and actually just going to Thailand and living there and having my operation there. And just disappearing from from the world, from the world, yeah, just without telling Tracy and the kids. kids just yeah, yeah, I was. What talk? What? Who or what talked you out of that? Um. I think counselling helped. Um, and I also think the love of my children helped, mm. if I'm honest, because I, I, I thought, how would I feel if my dad just disappeared or my mum just disappeared? Well, and I never knew what happened to them. Mm. They have to live. And it wouldn't be fair on Tracy because what has she done? Yeah. What has she done to deserve this? I remember sitting on my steps in my house in Portugal. 
and we was all having a good and the summer was a miserable summer because of because of the situation and I was sitting there thinking why don't I just walk out and leave all this there you know I've I've got a little bit of money in the bank I can leave all the rest for why don't I just, and I couldn't do I couldn't you know but I knew that was the start and the end of my relationship as it was and everything else and I knew my world would never be the same again because Kelly was getting so so strong in me was that the summer of 2006 you've referred to that as the start of the dismantling of Frank Maloney yeah I think that was that is that was actually the summer yeah so how did you start dismantling Frank Maloney <laughs> I don't know it, it was just that I, I just I'd left Frank Warren I'd set myself up in business on my own because I still knew I needed to support my family. There was always this side of me that knew I had to support my family. Yeah. and That's the working class kid yeah. coming out there. And I knew that I was still good at what I'd done. And I, and I still thought if I, if I could rebuild another champion, if I could build another, another empire in the boxing world, that would maybe squash Kelly. Yeah. Um and I and I did start to rebuild. And I did and I and I signed a couple of fighters. I signed an an Irish Olympian called Darren Sutherland who committed suicide and I, and I found his body and again I just and then one of my very good friends Dean Powell committed suicide. Um and I just realized I I couldn't fight no more. I just but I still had to fight. And I started lying to Tracy about weekends I was doing speaking I was going to boxing events I would find out where there were boxing events on and I would make out I was at these boxing events so I wouldn't have it all down to detail but I'd be going to these weekends where I could dress and live as Kelly it's almost like having an affair that kind of that kind of minute detail covering was, your tracks. There's no sex. There's no sex, no. <laughs> but there was another woman. <laughs> and that woman is Kelly Maloney. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I did feel like... I don't, I don't feel I was cheating because there was no sex. Yeah. But I felt yeah. I was deceiving, mm. if, that, if that's... That makes perfect sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, it was around that time that you, you entered counselling. I was doing counselling a little bit early in that, but I was doing it on the telephone. I was seeing so many different counsellors and being told so many different things that my head was going screw. And I, then I went, there was a holiday incident, which to the feminists, really, they loved bringing it up all the time, where I, I don't know what happened. I lost it with Tracy in Portugal, mm. and I grabbed her around the neck, you know, um, and I can never deny that. And I've been attacked about it by the the left-wing feminist about this being a domestic violence and being a man in a dress who who's, is still very violent and I only want to be a woman so I can abuse women. I mean, it's terrible, some of the things that I've read on Twitter about this from the feminist movement, but, you know, I had to live with that and accept yeah. what happened. Um, but then people wasn't there. They don't they don't know what what was going on. They don't know the circumstances or anything, you know, and... I, and I have to take the blame for what happened. So, but I, that incident happened, um, and I just walked out. I didn't. I won't. So I walked out of my marriage. I walked out of Portugal. I got on a plane and checked myself into a clinic in and, London. No, down in Sussex. Okay, Sussex. And I didn't realise that the clinic was actually funded 
or associated with Scientology. Mm. And slowly I was being brainwashed. Yeah, I was going to say, they're probably not the best people to no. uh, and be I around. Just, and they introduced me to a counsellor who actually took my whole life over, a Scientologist counsellor. And their counselling wasn't like one hour. It was like all day. That's auditing. Auditing, yeah, it was auditing. Yeah. That's what they called it. You're right, I forgot about that, yeah. Yeah, they they, they just pummel you with questions yeah, and until they, you're and exhausted. They sort of put you into a tr- and they say that your your memory is photographic and that they br- things that come up in your memory are previous lives that you lived. Oh, wow, I did not know that. Yes, yeah, and, and she went back through things. And, and in every one of the lives that I talked about, while I was under this um, trance, shall we say, sort yeah. of trance, I was a female. Had you told them you're you were no. you're trans? You hadn't. No, and I and I freaked out about it though when I came out, and I it was all different areas of life, you know, and I I couldn't believe, and I said no, this can't be true. She said, this is what happens, Frankie. We we when you die, your body goes, but your soul just jumps into another body. Oh, they believe in reincarnation. Yeah. Okay. Oh, well, oh, you just jump into another, a body that's being born. Um, you know, and this woman totally controlled my life. I got to the stage where I couldn't make a decision without consulting her. I, I still had my gym and my business in Deptford. This woman even can't turn up at my gym and I asked her about things in my gym and that. How should I do this? How should I make this boxing show? And it was totally controlling my... I never insane. Oh, it, and she obviously knew I was quite... She must... And she said, she explained about Scientology that there were different grades in Scientology. Yeah. And she said, like, we're going to have a big function because they've got a great big place somewhere in, I think it's in Surrey, somewhere they've got a big. And she told me Tom Cruise was going to come to it. And who's the other actor? John Travolta. John Travolta. Yeah. And we'd like you to meet them. And I was sort of. But because I was brought up a Catholic, there was always this thing in me that this isn't right. Yeah. And um, was that Catholic guilt? Yeah, I yeah. think it might be. And I would go home at night and pray to God, saying, "Why am I letting this happen?" To me? I can't believe I'm telling you this. Cause I never told anyone this much. Um, why was I letting this happen to me? Please help me, God. You know, I, I played to Saint Francis, who I was named after. Um, I, I think my Catholic religion actually sh- saved me in the end from from the from all this nonsense. But what happened was one day she, I was really bad, and I phoned, and she came to my house. And Tracy was a fl- well. Tracy went to a session with her because I told Tracy she might be able to help Tracy because she told me she could help us because yeah. I told her my marriage was crumbling, but I didn't tell her why. Yeah. But obviously, as I say in every other life I, that she managed to come out, get me to talk about, I was female. Um. And Tracy went to a session, and Tracy came out, and she was actually in tears when she came out of the session. <sighs> and excuse me, she said, "Never again." She said, it's absolute torture. I've been there nearly six hours. I've only had <laughs> a, a glass of water, no food. She said, it's absolutely brainwashing. She said, if you don't pull yourself together, you're going to lose everything and you're going to lose me. So I, I called to the house to tell her this. because I, I, And Tracy came in and she was sitting there and she started talking. And Tracy just stood and said, if you don't get out of my house now, I won't be responsible for my actions. And the woman said, and Tracy just like, get out of my house now (laughs) and leave my family alone. And I just sat there. I I, I couldn't even speak. 
I was like, you can't, I want to say to her, you can't do this, Tracy, this woman's helping me. But she wasn't helping. But Tracy could see that. Yeah. And she, she got out. She she finally left. And Tracy said to me, you've now got a choice. You get your life back together again. Or you, you can stay here now with me or you can go with that woman. And I said, I need help. She went, we're fine. And we went on the internet and we searched counsellors. And we found a, a woman called Jan who became my counsellor. And I started going to see Jan. And I started, and Tracy came with me. We went as a couple, and we explained, and I explained to her what had happened. Uh, obviously, and I told her it was anger management because I, uh, that's what I had. I, and she said, "Let me explain something to you, Frank. What's happened? The world you live in, you've had to be very tough." She said, and she said, "The only way I can do it is a very simple way." She said, "Let's take a windowsill." She said, "Over the years, you decorate a windowsill. You keep revarnishing, and it gets strong and tough, and there's loads of layers on there." She said, "That's what you've done because of the world you've lived in." Unfortunately, what this so-called counsellor and everything you told me is against everything we are taught as a counsellor. She said, "And what this woman has done, she has totally stripped you of all your varnish. All that there now is a piece of wood, and you're very vulnerable. So the woodworm could attack you anything can attack you yeah she said, my job now is to put a nice coating of varnish on you just enough so you can protect yourself and stand up and support your family and it was such a simple way to explain it to me and she became my counselor for the next eight years wow and we are still she's not my counselor now she is a personal friend of mine she's a good friend because she she crossed that line just after I, it came out about me yeah in and the papers yeah. yeah, she she reckons that she'd crossed that that professional line, and it would be wrong for her to counsel me. But she she said, "But Kelly, I will always go for for, for you with, for a cup of coffee or a chat, and I'll talk to you as a friend. Yeah, and you can take that as your advice. But you can I can never treat you as a client. Not in the professional sense. Sense. Yeah. During that period, what what were you telling Tracy? You you know you were saying. I need counselling, I need help. But, and obviously, um, you know, Tracy would say, why? What, what were you well, telling her? Well, first of all, it was anger management. But then eventually I told Tracy what what my problem was. But I still hadn't told my counsellor. And Tracy kept encouraging me to tell the counsellor. And I, and I said, I, and Tracy was now seeing the counsellor herself separately as well. Yeah, for help. seeing Jan. But, but Tracy would never, ever tell Jan my terrible secret. Yeah. She just said Frank was always got something that, something about Frank he can't bring out he's high I don't know if it's, if it's his anger if it's that he's lost that um, that he's still searching for a new Lennox Lewis or what it is you know um, and that's one of the reasons why I think Tracy and I are still very good friends because she would have taken my secret to the grave if it hadn't broken so publicly you know I, I mean we we still see each other we meet for coffee we'll we'll meet with our daughters and there's still a certain bond there, but there's there's not a bond of a husband and wife. There's, I think, there's an unbreakable friendship bond there. Yeah. What was that? What was that kind of transitional period like from 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 telling Tracy through to actually, you know, transitioning? Well, it was very hard because I actually moved out of the house eventually, and I set up house down in Worthing, and I was living. I was obviously Kelly's wardrobe was getting bigger. Kelly was getting more, but people knew I was Frank Maloney. Yeah, like the the other two guys that lived in the in the in the house that I lived in. 
So I had, I kept one room had all Kelly's <coughs> Kelly's stuff in it. Who was living with you? No one was living with me oh. in the house. It, there were three flats in this. Oh, like a masonette type. Yeah. Okay, I get yeah. that. Okay. And um, I never told my daughters where I lived. I never let any of them come down. Oh wow. Um, I would always meet them. Um, they noticed my hair was growing. That I was a bit more flamboyant. Um, but I always turned up as Frank. They yeah. never saw Kelly. Tracy never saw Kelly. You know, the first time Kelly ever Tracy ever saw Kelly was Big Brother. Really? Yeah. She'd never met Kelly. Wow. My daughters met just before I went into Big Brother because we um, arranged for them to meet with me. Um, but going back to that, so I, I, so I would sort of get up in the morning and walk my dogs as Frank. I'd make sure these two guys had gone out to work. Then Kelly would appear. And you would just do household stuff as, as Kelly? Yeah, and walk around, go out, have a coffee, come back. But never go to the coffee place where Frank used to go to. I always go to somewhere different. <laughs> so I had one set of coffee shops for Frank and one set of coffee shops for Kelly. So it's, it's that double life again? Yeah. yeah. Literally, you know. And then at night, if I obviously go into venues or go into group meetings or to my support group, which I was now going to, uh, the train support group, TG Pals, I would... Um, sort of look out and make sure none of the neighbours were there or the cars wasn't there. If there was, I would quickly go out very quickly and jump, not even get in my car, walk around and get a taxi so they would think it was a female just leaving Frank's house. Do so you think they knew? I don't know. I honestly don't know. If they did, they never they never lit on. I think the landlord might know because one day I was totally shocked. The landlord had come, come in the house and... Um, he obviously saw the room with all the female clothing, but if he did, he never said nothing. But he obviously knew you were Frank Maloney. Oh, he used to come and talk to me about boxing when I was there, but I didn't realise he'd come in once when I wasn't there. He'd done an inspection of the premises. I felt more confused for my poor dogs because they... <laughs> they <laughs> did saw, they recognise you? They saw Frank and they saw Kelly. And the, you know, they, I think they, they live by smell, don't they? Yeah. Dogs are loyal anyway, aren't they? They've been very loyal. I know it sounds silly, but I think if it wasn't for the dogs... I may not be here today. There were times when... Um, wow. When you've had these, these two for a while? I've had since they were both eight weeks old. How long ago was that? So that's One's eight years old and one's six years old. Okay. In terms of actually making the decision to, to leave Frank behind and carry on essentially full-time as, as Kelly, when did, that, when did that sort of tipping point happen? Um, I really don't know. I think Kelly was becoming more and more like instead of 50-50 or it became 60-40. Yeah. Then it became 70-30. But there was always, Frank was always coming back because my daughter hadn't been told. But Your um, youngest, Libby. Libby or Sophie at the or time. Um, and even when I told them, I still only let them see me as Frank because I told them we were going to do it private. I was going to transition very privately. Yeah. Um, I think I realised when I could no longer keep the two apart when, when I suppose it was when or excuse me the national newspaper turned on my doorstep in February 2014 I realised there was no point in hiding it no more How did they find out? Uh, I don't know someone they got me coming out of a, a, a social group meeting I was being. Fo I didn't realise I was being followed for quite a while. Mm. They had photographs of me at my house creeping out. They had photographs of me walking my dogs. Um, they had photographs of me 
at certain venues which were trans trans group social groups was that was that a concern for the trans groups uh no because i hadn't told the trans group because i was the only one in the photographs it seemed that they all the cameras all assumed on me um, but i did stop going to all these groups and everything for a while but until i you know and i and i locked kelly away for about six or eight weeks that, that was going to be my next question was there a fear that you would go back in the closet yeah i i locked kelly away um because i was terrified that i actually had to tell my lawyer didn't i because my lawyer didn't know up to this point um so i had to tell him and explain to him and on his advice he said well look until we 100 percent what you're going to do and we get we get we get the right rulings and we get it the way we want it i suggest you don't let um you don't you don't, you start living as frank or yeah. you just live as nondescript but don't come out dressed as a female because if they get more photographs of you the more evidence they got the harder it will be but it was it was it was you guys that that, that decided let's go public with it so at least we have some control well uh, yeah eventually because another newspaper because eventually when we defeated the first newspaper mm. and they couldn't do a deal with us and we you know i thought oh this is i'd be able to get away with this and i'd move then another newspaper got wind of the story and they started harassing me and coming on and again we went through the same legal channels again and, and my legal bills were getting bigger and bigger and we stopped them then eventually i sat with the lawyer and my oldest daughter and we decided it was getting beyond control that event if we had to do something about it well, it must have been exhausting it was it was yeah. yeah and so in the end we bought on a pr company and we had to tell them so it and it was getting bigger and bigger and bigger the people that knew yeah it wasn't just the immediate my little family group that knew we spoke to a number of newspapers and we went with the newspaper that we believe would be the fairest and gave us editorial rights headline rights and picture rights which had never been heard of before and that was the sunday mirror the sunday mirror who, who i think were very good the way they and they allowed me to have every piece of the story read by the head of my support group who made sure all the terminology was right yeah. that the word sex change wasn't used nothing about sexual was mentioned in it because this was all about my gender not my sexuality yeah and well the rest it just exploded didn't it so five days after the, the the story broke, you were walking up the steps at the Big Brother house, right? Absolutely drunk. Three <laughs> bottles of wine. Really? A, oh, wow. And a couple of pills to calm my nerves. <laughs> On national television. On national television. I don't even remember going into the Big Brother house. What made you go in? I don't know to this day. There was so much conflict in my family about it. My two young daughters were like, yeah, go on, in you go. And my oldest daughter was pulling me the other way, yeah. telling me not to go in. And my oldest daughter and me never spoke for... She never watched one episode of Big Brother. She... It wasn't about me going into Big Brother. She feared about my health and my safety. Yeah. And that I wasn't ready to go into... And I was If I'm honest, I wasn't ready to go into the Big Brother house. People saw someone that was had this inner torment, inner fighting in their self. But in another way, it helped. It showed people what's what a trans person would go through. There was no glossing. Yeah. Because it couldn't be glossed. It couldn't be glossed. No, not when you've been no. filmed 24-7. It couldn't be glossed. You know, yeah. and there were still parts of Frank there. There were still parts of myself fighting with myself. There was still, 
myself in can I can I stop this? Can I even though I was being on hormones nearly there well over eighteen months. Yeah. And, you know Big Brother helped me that I finally after a few outbreaks of Frank reappearing, the the aggressive side of Frank reappearing, eventually I finally buried Frank in that house. Uh, you you feel that genuinely? Yeah. Yeah. So um, you walked in Kelly slash Frank, and you walked out just Kelly Maloney. Kelly Maloney. I, I, I say the Big Brother house was like um, therapy to me, being like the Priory would be to someone. Yeah. It helped me find myself. Um, it helped my my younger daughters understand because they saw the reaction of the general public. who some There was a lot of sympathy for me and a lot of understanding for me. Do people in the trans community see your appearance on Big Brother as a as a positive. Have you have you had have you had a, a lot of I mean most of the feedback is it positive or, it, or has there been negative no, I've as had, well? I've had both, but I've had more positive and negative. I've had some people who say, Well, she's a celebrity. What right, you know, it's easy for her. But it's if I had my choice, I would never transition in the public eye. And yeah. anyone who wants to transition in the public eye are absolutely mad. Yeah. Um, you know, I see other girls come out forward now and they're in the papers. They, they say they do not know what they're letting themselves in. I mean, I constantly was in paper for nearly for two and a half years nonstop. They were following me. You know, I've chosen to take myself away from the public media now to live a, a quieter life. Yeah. I, I still do the odd thing. Um, but nowhere, I don't seek it. I don't want to be a public figure. But I'm well recognisable. I mean, I went on a trip to Tenerife with my youngest daughter. Not Tenerife, Tobago, sorry. And even on the plane, people recognise me. Even in Tobago, people recognise me, you know, at the airport. Do they recognise you as, as Kelly or do they recognise you as... Some go, you're the bo- there's that boxing promoter. Yeah. You know, or, oh, you're Kelly Maloney <laughs> from Big Brother. But it's nice. And it's a positive. Just as me growing up in the, the 80s and 90s, the only person who I can think of who was a, a you know genuine confirmed transsexual was Donna International when I was a kid. And there's you know, there's a massive gap from from Donna International up to Caitlin and yourself. Yeah. That's a that's a lot of a lot of kids growing up in that period who haven't had anyone and now kids can can turn on the, the television, they can they can watch Caitlin's show, they can read your story. They can see Fox Fisher on on YouTube. They can see Paris Lee's. Yeah, I think there's a lot more positive people out there in 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 the in in the trans community. Um, but I, I I think the trans community are still our own worst enemy because we're not united like the gay community became united. Um, Somewhat, yeah. Yeah. I mean, at times the gay community isn't united. No, as, I, as as much as it should be, but I think I think as a as a whole, when if if we got another community, I say ganging up on us, then our our, our kind of mindset is yeah, you know, united. Well, what right I mean direction. is the gay community is, shall we say, is acceptable in generally in 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 out there in the world now. You know, yeah, uh, we've got the legal standings as that's well. It. I mean, we've but we're still not accepted. Our community is not accepted. Well, legal standings do trans people have no we 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 protect under the equal rights yeah. act but if a trans person is married and they stay married when they transition they can't get their gender recognition certificate 
changed the unless their wife signs the form. And sometimes that doesn't happen. Sometimes some wives won't, you know, because sometimes they don't get divorced. And yeah. you divorced Tracy before you transitioned. Yeah, we'd 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 agreed. You on sorted all that. We'd, we'd agreed on everything. Yeah. How easy is it to? I mean, legally, are you Frank or are you Kelly? My passport, and my driving license are all in Kelly. Okay. Uh, nearly everything. I haven't changed my birth certificate yet because that's more to do with being a bit lazy. <laughs> and plus, I don't need to. I don't need to change it because I'm yeah. not. Who yeah. asks for their birth certificate these days? Don't yeah, you? but I will. Ch- I will. Get, I will change it because I think that's the, that is a piece of my jigsaw that I need to do for myself. Yeah, for forty years, let's say you, you you kind of had this this internal struggle, and with that comes a lot of sort of anxiety and and depression, um, and I think sometimes some story. I think sometimes the way some people tell stories in. Um, you know how newspapers write about things or TV shows introduce people. The the it's almost like a sentimental narrative. They'd say um, you you were born Frank. You you were quite shy. Then you were in boxing. Then you became the big Frank Maloney. Or how how did Don King call you called the mental the midget? Mental midget, pugilistic um, pygmy. Sorry, a pugilistic pygmy. <laughs> <laughs> so you became this this sort of big figure, but you had this struggle. And then you became depressed and then you transitioned and now everything's all right. But life doesn't always work in that kind of sentimental narrative way. There mu- are, are there effects left over from that period of your life? Um, and how do they sort of manifest themselves? I, I know. I think the only effect is I, I lost Tracy in the relationship. Um, I was very lucky with my children. I think it's been very hard for them. Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, as much as I think transitioning in one way is quite a sen- selfish thing as well. Um, though you have to do it because you can't yeah. stop it. And I honestly, you know, I don't care what anyone says, you can't stop it. Um, because this is me. That other person wasn't me. But unfortunately, that other person created a life. Yeah. And brought other people into this world and was a father was i'm still a father so that but what i mean was this father figure they saw now they don't see the father figure um what do your kids call you they call me dad it's all you dad yeah call me dad or they call me kelly or my youngest one calls me kel head was that libby yeah i don't know why but i feel i've i've let them down even though I'm, even though they tell me I'm a nicer person to be with, and they, they're comfortable with me. I mean, they bring all their boyfriends to meet me, and they're all accepting, and they're all. But in a certain way, I feel I've let them down. In what in what respect though? If if they're telling you that you know, you're still our dad. Yeah, but and... I try to look at it. How would I felt if my dad had done this journey? You know, and I also put myself. I'm not going to say any trans people, but there are trans people who try to play the victim. Yeah. We're not the victim. How would you feel after 20 years in a relationship if your wife turned around and said she wanted to transition to a male? Mm. So I've tried to put myself in all in positions to try and come to terms with it. But don't you look at it in the sense that it, it's quite it, it's quite a, an achievement. It's quite a, it, it says something about your, your strong personality that you can fight for something that you, you know... Is, is is the correct way to be 
for you and you can do that essentially you could take take the risks of of potentially losing your family do you, do you not feel your kids kind of look at and, and tracy look up to you in that respect and i i for, for that i hope so and i think so my parents i do get little things from my daughters which say you know we might never tell you this but we really love you and we're very proud of you you know and it's um yeah it's you know it's, it's quite hard i mean my daughter for father's day sent me a card and it was quite funny she said um, she said thanks for turning our family into an episode of jeremy Kyle." <laughs> <laughs> you know and it's um you know it's like to dad happy father's day i love you um loads and a proud of the person you are becoming there's your answer mm. you don't need to feel like you've let them down I, you haven't i don't think you have let them down and i think that's your answer right there mm-hmm. you know so I, I i still keep sort of things like that and um i i, I feel i've let them down in a way that they saw frank as shall we say their safety net someone there to protect them all the time yeah i'm sort of not there now because i don't live with them um you know we're we're we are moving forward and i think our relationships i'm a lot more understanding of them and they quite like that yeah um people don't understand it's as much a journey for them and a hard road for them to go down as it is for mm. for me and it's not all about me you know the papers make it all about me the television made it all about me and it's the same with every i, I read about all these trans people it's and i think it's not all about us it's about about the people that it's about the immediate family as well well you know it's the people you know i've been very lucky and i've got a couple of friends that have been as lucky as i have they've kept their family but i've also got friends that have totally lost their family mm. And have been totally isolated. So, and 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 that you know, from a happy family, to see a family break up because one parent is not the person everyone suspected that person was. Yet that person has become a better person. I think it's very hard. I just hope that you know the family kind of can learn to understand that, and and they can kind of be reunited. Yeah, and I do, and I always say that because people talk to me and say, have you managed to do this? And I say, I haven't managed to do it. It's, it's just happened. Yeah. I've been very lucky. Tracy was very explaining to the children. Yeah. It does help if, the, we'll say, the ex-partner, how the ex-partner feels. Yeah. I know Tracy felt very cheated, very let down. But as she said, you know what? You couldn't help this. And I'd rather, you know, I'd rather have you here than not have you here. And my daughters always came up, the three of them came up with a phase which said, we had, we had a choice, dad in a box or dad in a dress, and there was no choice. <laughs> so. I like that. Yeah. That's good. You know, so. Um, has Tracy has Tracy moved on? Has she found yeah, someone? Yeah, Tracy's met someone else and moved on. And that's been very hard for me to accept. Yeah. Um, but I have to accept it. You know, um, as I said, I still see Tracy. But I know our relationship can never be the way it was. Mm. Our relationship has got 
totally new dynamics to it. But I know Tracy's there if I'm ever in trouble, and Tracy knows I'm here if ever she's in trouble. Yeah. So it's um. Have you found someone? No, no. <laughs> the million dollar question. <laughs> <laughs> the question that every press person, every press would like to know the answer to. No, I haven't, and I I I don't know if I ever will find anyone. One because my standards may be too high. Um, two because I don't really know my sexuality, if I'm honest. Um, I, I'm still st- still. For, I mean, my counsellor Jan, she used to when when she finally knew what, and I said, "Oh, do you know, I'm going to live the rest of my life on my own." She always said to me, "Kelly, there's always someone out there for everybody." Yeah. You know, well, if there is, no one's come into my life yet. You know. Um, I've I've had a few dinner dates, um, but nothing's ever come of them. Um, a couple of never knew who I was until I tell them. And as soon as I tell them, they they totally freak. They bolt. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I was on Celebrity First Date, which was cancelled when the guy realised I was a celebrity trained. Okay. He, oh, is, that, is that a dating show? A dating show on okay. Channel 4. Okay. Uh, we it was filmed and everything went well and then all of a sudden he phoned him up and said he he didn't want the he didn't want it he didn't want the episode to be shown. Wow. Um, so it still shows there is a very big transphobia. Yeah. Out there. Yeah. Um, it still shows it. It's very hard for males of a certain age to accept. You know I you know and, I, and I'll be honest I've been on a few dating websites just to see what it's like. Um, just to see how comfortable I felt going out with a man, um, to see if I could find one that I would like, I suppose. Um, I, I enjoy going out to dinner, but as soon as it comes out who I am, they um, they do freak. They do freak. Yeah. You know, but I've got a couple of friends that have never had the publicity that I've had, and they're actually in relationships with me. So you think it's the... The, the history of Frank Maloney and, and, and the papers and the boxing yeah. that's holding them back? Well, I, I would... If I went out with a guy and I wasn't I wasn't this public person, yeah, would they know? They may never know. But yeah. then I would have to tell them. Yeah. Because there, would, there has to be a certain trust. But by that time, they would have got to know me. Yeah. Instead of... So they're, pre, they're pre-judging it. Yeah. That's a shame. Yeah. Do you do you sort of miss the the companionship of a, a relationship? Um, if I'm honest, yeah, I I love my own company. You know, I got a nice house that I uh, in Portugal. Uh, I've got a place here where I when I'm here I can I, I live. I've got great social life. Um, I've got lots of friends, but sometimes I think it'd be nice to have someone to talk about and talk about my day. I actually talk to my dogs at night. <laughs> I do. It's um. <laughs> But then, uh, but I am happy and contented, so I'm not. Yeah. I, I don't want to paint a sad picture of myself because yeah. I'm not sad. I'm I'm in a very lovely place. Um, I suppose, shall we say, that crown jewel would be to find someone, be it a man or woman. Yeah. Um, but it's it it hasn't happened in the last three years since I've been public. Well, you've been. I guess you you kind of been busy, you know, finding yourself and getting used to being Kelly. Yeah, I yeah, I mean, if I'm honest, I've been, I've been on five dinner dates. Okay. Um, 
That's more than I've been on in the past couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, um, and if I'm honest, there's been one that I, I would have gone out again with. Yeah. But as soon as the, it came out who I was, it was like, oh, I'll call you and you don't hear Never from does. me. Don't hear from me. That's a that's a shame. That's well, a shame. but I always think it's it, I think it's their loss, not mine. Yeah, that's, that's, a, you know, <laughs> that's a good, how I look that's at it. That's the way positive. Of at it. That's the way I have to look at everything. But in other respects, you know, you you you're living the life that you always wanted. Yes. No. I I, I can't knock it, and I and you know I've got the support of my my family, and my girl says to me anyway, you don't need no one. You've got us. <laughs> yeah, but they only turn up when they want to. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's kids, isn't it? Yeah. 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 <laughs> If you want to see the photos I just shot of Kelly, head to www.sftl.photos. Um, as always, we end on a quiz. Um, it's a boxing quiz. Okay, keep it. See, I was uh, going to say, keep it easy. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see if you really are the mental midget. Okay. Here we go. Are you ready? How many times did Lennox Lewis win the heavyweight world championship? One, two, three. Yeah, three. Um, at the end of Rocky Three. Rocky and Apollo Creed have a secret fight at the training club. Who won that fight? Do you remember that scene? They both throw a punch. Before punch. it connects, they cut to the credits. Yeah. So it would be but a in a later film, it's referred uh, back to, and we find out who wins the fight. Oh, that would be Rocky IV, wouldn't it? I don't think I saw that one. Was it a draw? Uh, Apollo won. Apollo. Okay. Yeah. Um... Boxing dates back to ancient Greece, uh, where the Greeks made it part of the Olympic Games. But what year? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I got no. It has to be ancient Greece. Was that the? That would be after Christ, wouldn't it? Before Christ. Before Christ. <clears throat> um, year four thousand. 688. Close. Only a few out. Only a few. Um, Joe Lewis holds the record for the most heavyweight title defences. How many? 20. No, I give that. I know, I know he's a poor champion that went broke thanks to the American government. 25. 25. I know it was in 20s, but I wasn't sure. What, what? did they, they screw him for tax? Yeah. Ah, always yeah. the way. Um, so obviously Muhammad Ali won the Rumble in the Jungle, um, but how and in what round? By by um, knockout. Yeah. And round three, if I remember right. Round eight. Round eight. Oh, the Foreman fight, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I'm thinking of yeah, round eight. I was. Do you know I was actually going to say round eight? Uh, <laughs> I believe you. <laughs> um, I watched that not long ago. Kelly, I can't thank you enough. You've been you've been very open. It's been wonderful. Thank you. So this is how we always end the podcast. I've been Robert Gershenson. I've been Kelly Maloney. We'll shoot you later. <laughs>